Hey there, if you're a stay-at-home mom who is considering jumping back into the workforce, then you'll want to listen to this episode. In it, we'll be talking with expert Tracy Crowley all about the fears that may be impacting your decision and stopping you from taking the plunge. I know a few years ago when I was a stay-at-home mom and I was thinking about going back to work as a counselor, um, which I had gone to school for years ago, I had a lot of fears that were coming up, a lot of doubts and a lot of questions about whether this was something that I should do or could do or um, wanted to do. So if that is you, then stay tuned and let's dive into today's episode. We have here today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Tracy Crowley. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thanks, Ani. It's so fun to be here. So Tracy is on a mission to help stay-at-home moms conquer their fears of going back to work. Making the transition from being a domestic engineer to working outside the home can be unsettling at best. So Tracy takes her own experiences of going through the process and coaches moms on how to take their current life experiences and translate them into powerful information for their resume so that they can successfully return to or start their careers alongside their role as a mom. Today, we're going to be talking about the fears that many moms face about returning to a career outside of the home, and Tracy will hopefully spill some of her secrets to help make the transition less scary. Before we dive into that, though, Tracy, would you mind sharing with us more about your journey and how you got to be where you are today? Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any room for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Tracy, would you mind sharing with us more about your journey and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah, I feel so blessed. Um, I've been married to my husband for 30 years now. And during that time, uh, we spent some time while he was serving in the military. So lived in seven different states and three countries. So lots of moving. So you can only imagine what that does to trying to work. Uh, And then when when he got out of the military, he went to law school. And took on a really demanding job. And so, you know, fast forward into our marriage and he, um, my kids are seven and 13. And I had realized that though I had been a really happy stay at home mom with a bunch of different side hustles, I wanted something more. I was ready. My family was ready. Um, and I had taken some of the last couple of years before that. So kind of about when my youngest hit kindergarten started looking at, okay, what do I want to do and doing some research. And I ultimately went back to work full time and it was, it was tough, but after a couple of years in, I realized that I had actually gone through a pretty specific process of how to go back to work. And if I just took the time to go write it down (laughs) I could make it into something useful for other moms who were where I was, you know, cause I wasn't unhappy being a full-time mom with a side hustle. I just realized that like when my kids were three and uh, for, sorry, not three, five, seven, 13, that I could see the end coming 
And I thought, you know, when I, when they leave, I want to be able to celebrate them heading out and miss them, but I don't want there to be this huge void. I don't want them worried about me when they're leaving for college. Like that should not be happening. (laughs) (laughs) So did you write it down? Yeah, or how did so you? <laughs> I wrote it down. Yeah. So okay. I sat down and I realized that like, if I did that, so what I've done is I've put together a workbook. It's called the growing back to work workbook. And mm-hmm. it's designed to help moms who are thinking about going back to work, figure out what they need to put in place to do that. So it's a little bit about like, you know, what's missing in your life right now. Cause sometimes right. it's money and sometimes it's just a project that you can own sure. as yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and then taking them through the process of identifying how much time they have, how much money they need to make to go do this project, and then figuring out when they can actually actually implement it. So like maybe your kids are in preschool. Well, maybe you won't be able to do this till they're in kindergarten, but starting to think about it now means when you get there, you just feel more confident. And you know, when you're talking about the fear is I feel like, you know, the one thing I hear consistently on moms wanting to go back to work is fear of not being enough. Like that their work that they have put their life into is going to somehow be valued and weighed insufficient. Right. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into yeah. the fears. <laughs> yes. So. But as you're sharing about your workbook, I'm like, I needed that, that workbook around 2017. (laughs) (laughs) That was when my whole transition happened. And I am a like jump in with both, you know, head first into things. And I didn't have hardly any transition. Like it was like not working to working within like a week and full time. And it was such an adjustment. It was like, it's a brutal. Thing. That's the brutal way to do it. About, <laughs> when you're saying about the process, I'm like, did I even have a process? Like, I don't think <laughs> that's why I'm amazing. You wrote down this process. I'm like, I don't remember ever having, like, it was basically, I was like, just that itch. Like yeah. what, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for 14 years yeah. and it was, I gotten into some some things like because right before that was a couple of years before that was when I started giving myself permission to actually do things like for myself. <laughs> yeah, and I'd gotten into like the dance world and like you know fitness and like these things, and I was like, maybe I want to open a studio. Maybe like I had these options. Yeah, and then I was like, well, why don't you do something that you actually went to school for? And that was when <laughs> I went back and became a, a counselor. Like I got my yeah. licensure and all of that. But it was literally like one week between him suggesting that and me getting hired at the community mental health center. And it, it was like, all right, well, I got to go buy a car. I got to go buy a wardrobe. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't have hardly anything oh, like that prepared me. So like this process, I'm just like, I'm curious because I feel like it would have, it would have looked a lot different. It would have been much, it would have been much of a, like, ease or not such an abrupt transition, not just for me, but for my family. Yeah. Had I had a process, if I had, if I did some soul searching, like if I yeah. was like, hey, let me, I mean, not that I'm really happy where I am now, but at that time it was craziness. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Good job though. Good job making it through, <laughs> making it out the other side. Well, Let's talk more about how did you know, like that it was like you said that it was your kids' ages. 
yeah that kind of got you thinking about like you know what's this gonna look like and how like how when with the women you're working with like how do they know that that's the time that like like do they feel that itch or do they feel like it's an itch like what you're talking about yeah it's an itch or it's a crisis so like, okay. you know, if you need to go through what money. what I built quickly, like you could do it in a weekend. It just wouldn't be anywhere near as much fun. Right. You know, like if you need to use it, it is still a very valuable resource for a short thing. So like even for you, like if you had sat with it during that week, you might have found a couple of things that you're like, ooh, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should start Wednesday. I think about this. <laughs> you know, versus Monday, <laughs> you know, just to like get it, get one more thing in place. Yeah. Um, But it was that when I realized when I'd gone back to work and kind of looked backwards, I was like, oh, I did, you know, I spent a lot of time evaluating what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, six months later, I started thinking about childcare options. And it was, I started looking at childcare options from, you know, okay, well, maybe I'll wait till my son is almost done with middle school. So kind of filling in, uh, okay, what stage will be be at there, you know, where one of them will be a little bit self-sufficient and one needs care, but we don't have like three that need care, you know, and then going through and figuring out, okay, like if I have childcare, like who can provide it? Like, do I have to pay for this? Do I have a friend I can trade with? Like, do I need a childcare facility? Like all, cause that is not a simple yeah. process, right? That is a multi-layered, multifaceted thing on its own. And then figuring out like, okay, now I've done all these side hustles of these side hustles. What lit my soul on fire? Like what made me thrilled to get up every day to go do it? And then kind of could I do that? Could I not do that? Or was there an element of that that I could carry forward? And then also starting to look at what had I done that I could rephrase to sound like what an employer would want versus anything else. Yes. Those transferable skills. Why don't we talk a little bit about that, about, you know, because that's also a worry that moms have about like, you know, they're a stay-at-home mom for years and years and years, and now they're required like, to present these skills that they've had and kind of at a loss as to what right you're like what they're bringing to the table yeah the I'm great at potty training just doesn't feel yeah. like a win, <laughs> doesn't you know well. <laughs> though I remind people potty training is a project management skill you know you okay. taught a person a life skill in a regimented organized fashion because it has to be otherwise it doesn't work yeah Um, yeah and they and you were able to install a life skill in that person so looking at your kids as what life skills have you taught them that's a nice way to start with a really grand granular thing you understand like oh of course i did potty training and if it's recent you're like well you know we used cheerios we use starch things we use rewards like what were the things that you tested to make yeah. work in that environment. So thinking about it, like that was a, an example of a test and learn thing that you yeah. ran. It doesn't matter that you ran it with your kid. It still counts. So finding and, ways. And to, usually that's yeah. harder than doing it with an adult. Oh, totally. <laughs> like teaching yeah. an adult to do something, you know, could be twice as hard. <laughs> I harder. mean, it could be twice as easy. Just, you know, it's hard yeah. to teach your child to do that. And yeah. that deserves the credit. 
Right. You know, and looking at things like if you've run, um, you know, PTA stuff is more easily translatable because you Mm -hmm. can say, okay, this was a thing. It had a bunch of people. There was a number for like an auction. We hit our goal. Like that's more easily transferable, even though employers may not look at it with the same value, they still understand it. But it's things like, let's say your kids do select sports. So they're really, or just a really intensive sports league. You know, if you helped organize the carpool for that, that is a project management activity. Mm-hmm. If you think about if you have 15 families, if you only have one child participating per family, that would be 45 variables. So two parents, we assume, or at least two adults and a, and a child. You man it, you know, and so looking at something like that and saying, okay, hey, I ran the carpool. Um, how many times were we on time? How many times were we late? That is a measurable, and maybe you don't know, you're not tracking the data, but you can think, okay, where there were like two times, one, we got stuck in traffic and one, the weather was awful. So like, you know, don't get caught up in like being right or wrong about the detail of it, but looking at what were the things that you did and what was the impact to the team? Like the fact that I ran the carpool, you know, meant that because my schedule, my scheduling matrix that we, we help people with got people there five minutes early that means all the matches were able to start on time yeah or i made sure that we always had snacks in the trunk so that we never hit a point where the kids had you know a game with no snacks like that's project management that's future planning that's resource management like looking at that as like this is hard like moms don't give themselves credit They don't let, they're like, oh, I got it all done today. But they don't just say, hey, you know what? I nailed that. I absolutely nailed that today. And look at how happy the kids are because they had an amazing experience. They are well-fed and they literally fell into bed exhausted because they were so happy and tired. Right. What a win. Yeah. And I think that goes back to um, that belief, that fear of not being good enough. Because when you're continually looking at how you're not measuring up, how like you've done things <laughs> like that you didn't do, all the things that you didn't do or all the things that you didn't accomplish for that day, like it just goes to reinforce that belief of not being enough. And so, which is why right. it's so important to switch that focus and start looking at what did you do? Like, and giving yeah. yourself credit for doing the hard things, because that's what's going to change that belief yeah. of being enough. Yeah. And one of the things that I did that I found really helpful when I was kind of starting to get towards that skill identification phase, like what what do I have, is I just had like a mason jar that I put on the counter in the kitchen and some pieces of paper. And every time I was working on a project, just project of any kind. So, and a project for me was anything that involved involved coordination with another person. So even if it was just another parent, I would write down, you know, like, garden project because I knew what that meant and I'd throw it in there and then like every few months I would go through and I would dig out all the stuff I had worked on and if there was one in there that kind of became something else so say I put in there like garden project art mom you know like carpool and you know birthday party so like you know just some things like that well the birthday party was easy it was just cake at my house so eh, not much there but like let's say that that garden project actually ended up you know say we found a we dug into a pipe in the backyard. Well, that becomes contractors and permitting. Like, did it become something else that I didn't imagine I had to manage? And how did I manage that? So it helped me start identifying what were these things that involved another person 
And how could I start talking about it? So if I was describing it to someone in a work context, how would I talk about that thing? Because some of it was just like, what do you say? You know, it's like, I'm the art mom. Okay, well, cool. Like, I know what that means. But like, if I say, you know, hey, I'm the mom who coordinates all all the supplies for 14 classrooms. I work with 10 other parents so that we all have what we need to complete specific art projects in 14 classrooms for 35 kids per classroom once a month. Like that's, that's huge. Like, yeah. that, that's not just being art mom. Like that's the thing. Right. 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 So, it goes back to not giving yourself credit. Like, yeah. so like owning it a little bit, you know, looking yourself right. in the mirror at the end of the day and saying, you know what, that one thing I nailed it. It just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other fears that you feel keep keep women from branching out or like going for that career? Totally just self-worth. All coming down to self-worth. We are not kind to stay-at-home moms. None of the messaging that comes at stay-at-home moms is positive. And to be frank, like the biggest challenge I actually found were other moms. Okay. I, every Every husband or every partner who was working that looked at me as the stay-at-home partner, every one of those people looked at me and went, wow, I could never do what you do. Right. But it was the other moms that are like, really, that's all you got done? Oh, really? You're only doing that? Like, it was just this, it was like the crabs thing. Everybody was just kind of pulling each other down. There wasn't this amazing, like, we're here, let's stand side by side, yeah. arm in arm, and say, look at what we're doing together. It was because I feel like a lot of people are overwhelmed and it's not, you know, it's no fault of theirs. Right. But I didn't right. find that there was this positive message of we're doing great. Right. And, and so I, I found that I needed to go find that for myself or find a few moms who were feeling positive yeah. and talk about what we could do to make it better. But that I feel like that self-confidence thing, like it's just the taking a little bit of credit for what you do well right. and then just keep repeating that, adding to it, yeah. putting stuff up like, you know, what's the thing? Like, are you, you know, has it been hard to get lunches made for your kids this week? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have a whole week where you get that right actually putting something up, like putting a post-it nailed lunch this week. (laughs) We just, we aren't fair to ourselves. Right. And we feel like it's something that has to take a lot of time, Mm -hmm. you know? And for me, it was, it was post-its on my fridge. Right. right, The way to celebrate. Yeah. I did lunch, you know, lunch was great. You know, morning was great. Bedtime was great. Like it helped me start focusing on the positive because we're problem centric thinkers by nature. Right, so. right. The negativity bias. Yeah. What um, what do you think? What did you find was like the hardest part about transitioning back to an outside the home job? Childcare. Okay. Straight up childcare. Because okay. for me, my my boys were seven and thirteen, so big age gap, and but they both still needed transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we okay. ended up solving it with a college, a young man that we knew who was in college that was in our life. Okay. And when I went back to work, I kind of said, okay, I need help between three and six, three right. days a week. Like trying to find that in a childcare context just doesn't exist. Right. So, you know, you're finding a human who can do that. Someone who can drive, someone mm-hmm. who's comfortable at least helping your kids get food, whether they're cooking or not. Like that was what and I And only needed. wants that part-time, like only one. Yeah. Step. They only want part-time, you know, and yeah. it's hard to get someone who'll commit to that. And it's hard to get right. someone who like you're comfortable with them driving. Like maybe you can find a local mm-hmm. teenager, but it's just that. Right. That, that child... you trust with your child. <laughs> yeah. 
gesture. Like yeah. that's huge, right? Like, yeah. And I feel that that's the most complicated piece for people mm -hmm. to solve because it's not a consistent variable. And so reminding yeah. people like whatever childcare you arrange at the very beginning, that is going to be a problem. You're going to have to keep coming back to solve, whether it's right. summer or age or, you know, some other thing has shifted. Yeah. But helping people remember, like, you're going to solve this now and you're going to have to solve it again. Right. This won't be a one solution right. thing. Right. It's not a one and done. It's something yeah. that's going to continue to reoccur, which is helpful to have those processes yeah. to be able to come back to. And, say, and to okay, just now what? be honest about it and know like, oh, well, okay. You know, when my kid's no longer in elementary school and the schedule changes, I might not still be able to use the same thing I should be thinking about that in fourth grade versus fifth grade, you know, right. like, okay, let's get ahead of that. Even if you're just ahead of it by a month or so, it really matters. Yeah. yeah. My hardest part was the dinner time thing. Cause my family was used to having me around, like to be able to do those dinners and like have the time, like, and even the household chores, yeah. like so much change. Cause I went from being full-time stay-at-home mom to being full-time 40 hours a week and trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I do this? <laughs> like, yeah. How do working moms do this? Like it, it totally reversed my thinking and I had to really get creative yeah. as to how to, and ask for help. Yeah. That's ask another for thing help. Especially like yeah. about, you know, who can you get to, to help you and to do these things that it also allowed my, my family to step up yeah. in, in good ways. Yeah. And I was able to like, when I couldn't do it any longer, yep. they actually had to learn how to cook. And was like, yeah. like I realized like all the things that I should have been doing more like, <laughs> as a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So it ended up being, you know, I would say a good, a good thing for my family. Yeah. And, but at the time, the craziness definitely like trumped any yeah. kind of like, is, am I doing the right thing? And again, and, I- and and also that that crazy kind of happens no matter how well you plan it at the beginning because yeah. once once you actually initiate that change that that growth phase is different. Yeah. Um, but like yeah. I know when when I went back, you know, my husband and I had a conversation about, you know, what's our one thing? What of, of all the things in our family, you know, all these things that are changing, if we can achieve like one thing every day. And so like mm -hmm. for us it was bedtime. It was having a consistent bedtime, but also having bedtime be important. Like that, that was mm -hmm. a special time in our family because our mornings were disrupted from school. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to do lunch together and dinner, like kind of depended on what was happening. But if we held that bedtime, so kind of sometimes it's finding what one place can you hold? And I've had several moms now going through this process say, you know what, going back to work because I'm able to be the person who does the morning routine. You know, we've shifted our life so that we now make sure we have breakfast together every day. Yeah. And we don't worry about the rest of the meals because our family meal is now breakfast instead of yeah. dinner because dinner. dinner gets disrupted by activities and, and work schedules. So I love that they were able to say, well, hey, look, here's an opportunity where we can create something new. Yeah. 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 Making, making lemons or making lemonade. <laughs> yeah. Like something that could have totally just, they could have just said, you know, what, we're not doing this. They've decided to make that their one thing. Yeah. Cool. And having a one thing helps because mm -hmm. then it's also the, 
did I get my one thing done today? Yep, yeah, I did. Yeah. Even if everything else is a complete <laughs> train wreck, you can say we still nailed bedtime. It was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Tracy, what final advice do you have for our listeners? Look yourself in the mirror every day and be happy about something you did. Take some pride. Stand up a little straighter. You're doing the best job and the most important work you will ever do in your entire life to make good humans. Ever. It's awesome advice. (laughs) What do you do for fun? So I started sewing when I was 10. So my hobby is sewing. Uh, I really, really like costumes. So when Yes, your clothing line. (laughs) Oh, and I was like, in preparation for this interview, I went and I was like, you know, just check yeah. out your website. And I saw you had that entire clothing line. Tell us more yep. about that. So that's a clothing line I've made with an old friend of mine. So literally she and I met on uh, freshman year of college uh, and she and I designed together and it's called Dragon and Thistle. And uh, we basically just make costume stuff because that's what brings us joy like that when I'm sewing that's the stuff I want to do and it's so funny because one of the things I love about your podcast is it's moms without capes and I'm just thinking go buy yourself a cape yeah <laughs> you deserve it you know actually the other day I was doing this training and it was about like social media and it was with this guy who like he you know he has so many followers and he does all these reels and he does like a real day and he was like challenging us to do a real day and I was like trying to think of like how can I incorporate because I want to incorporate more fun in the thing yeah. that's like maybe if I do something with a cape but I'm like no my whole thing is moms without capes like I'm like I'm trying to to fight against the whole super mom syndrome thing and so I'm like what can I do and the, the cape thing did enter my yes <laughs> well and but the thing is like I'm when I'm saying go buy a cape I am not saying please go try and be a super mom because yes. that kills all of us and it's yes. awful yes, however <laughs> feeling like a superhero for your family that is true. Knowing yeah. that what you do every day, you're wearing one whether you see it or not, because the people around you are impacted by the level of what you do for yeah. them. And yeah. so even if you're not wearing it, you are wearing it because your family looks at you that way. Right. Right. So it's a <laughs> I feel like putting up putting on a cape as a mom is a privilege and an ownership mm-hmm. of yeah, mm-hmm. I am that amazing. And it doesn't right. have to mean that you're achieving everything. It means that you're achieving what's important to you and your yeah. family. Yeah. Not comparing. And it is, you know, I hate to take it back to that thing, but it just makes it, it makes so much sense here is that whole being enough, like being yes. enough in family and that self-esteem thing. And, you know, in order to be the best person or the best mom for your family, you've got to know that you are enough yourself like you've got to love yourself in order to have love to give to others and so that super mom thing you know as much as we want to fight against it you do have to have that certain belief in yourself that you got this yeah definitely definitely do you have a book that you would recommend I do I have my my absolute favorite book it's called relentless solution focus And it's by a man named Jason Selk. And it is all about helping helping people understand problem-centric thinking and how to take very small things to make a big impact in your life. So his focus is on having what are called done wells every day. 
Um, and a done like an example of a done well today um, for me would be that I got up and answered five important emails before I got started with anything else. That doesn't feel like a big thing, but when but you that would start, be your post it. That would be my post-it, the five, because they were five important things, but it was something Mm -hmm. small. It wasn't something that, you know, like even like remembering to bring lunch to work, Mm -hmm. like that's a done well. So it's focusing on the things you did right, helps you find more and helps you be more resilient when things show up. So Mm -hmm. I invite everybody to get that book or, or get it at your library and just read chapter one and really look at chapter one. Because yeah. if you don't get anything out of chapter one, you can put the book down. Like, <laughs> just make it through chapter one. Chapter one. <laughs> and then finally, where can listeners find you? So listeners can find me on my website, which is tracycrowley.life. So T-R-A-C-Y-C-R-O-W-L-E-Y dot L-I-F-E. And they can also find me on my podcast, which is goodlifestories.com. So lots right. and lots of fun. And all of Tracy's information is going to be found in the show notes of today's episode. Tracy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ani. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Capes podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll know when new episodes drop. Then head on over to Facebook and join the conversation happening inside the Moms Without Capes community, where I host all kinds of fun events for women who are ready to prioritize and find themselves under the Supermom Cape. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.